Hey guys, how are you doing? Welcome to the Ken Burton Show podcast. It is uh, another week. We are into December and it is the, in fact, the 5th of December as I'm doing this um, because it is sort of nearly one o'clock in the morning, which, wow, you know, um, 5th of December, Jesus. You know, <laughs> I don't know where the time goes. I just don't know where the time goes. So anyway, uh, what's been going on the, on this week? Well, the biggest thing that has been going on this week is obviously the um, Machinima 15 Prestige Challenge. Um, a couple of things I was a bit disappointed at, really, uh, and I, I don't know if you guys picked up on any of this, but a first thing to say is, wow, just wow, what a fantastic achievement by a bunch of guys dedicated to their profession and uh, dedicated to to you know obtaining this goal. They even had Treyarch in at the end there to uh, come and say hi. And it was just great. I mean, it, it was great to watch. I watched a lot of it. I tried to get into a lot of it. And whilst in the earlier part of what they were doing, I succeeded a few times. I was in there quite a few times. Um, it was, you know, I, I kept asking. They were only inviting directors that were on the friends list of the account for 15 Prestige. And I asked maybe five or six people a couple of times if they would uh, get me onto that. And they tried, but they d they didn't manage it. So I didn't want to bug them about it, really. So I didn't get on to the latter parts, the middle and latter parts of uh, of that, which is a shame, really, because I would have liked to have been there. But uh, there you go, you know, Celavi. Um, um, let's face it, I'm not the only Machinima director out there. I mean, I'm sure the other ones were champing at the bit as well. I mean, I, I was really fortunate. I got on with um, uh, I got on with JX. I was on there with uh, Doctor Disrespect. Who, incidentally, I said hello, Doctor Disrespect, and he went hello, Mister Burden Burden. <laughs> that was funny as fuck. Right, so. <laughs> PJ Singh, I was on there as well, and uh, you know some great guys, and you know we played we played some great matches. There were some interesting parts actually during it, and I know some people are going to say <laughs> some people are going to say, "God, you're paranoid," but I'm not. It was quite quite funny really because I was in the chat at one point and I was trying to, and there were some some well known people on the sofa. Let's put it that way, and there were I was in the chat and I, I'm trying to I was saying like invite me, dudes, invite me, and so somebody walked up to the person who was kind of sat on the sofa and went Ken Burton and the, the the guy who was sat on the sofa just kind of shrugged his shoulders you know and the next thing I knew I'd got an invite so <laughs> they kind of, oh I don't know it was a bit you know but you see, when turn that on its head, right? When JX23 was going to do his, or to, when he was trying to get in, they were all going, "Hey, look, JX in the chat, JX in the chat, way!" And it just shows that you know, <laughs> popular as I am with my own uh, with my own subscribers, perhaps I'm not as popular with every member of Machinima that I'd like to be. But hey. Celavi, mate, Celavi. Life goes on and it moves on. So, you know, big kudos for them uh, for what they've achieved. I think what they've achieved is magnificent. And, uh, you know, not only that, but, you know, I also watched the, the uh, two first episodes of Bite Me, where Mr. Sark was, in fact, in uh the episode and you know it was he was one of the party guests and i, I must admit i mean uh, they were all a bit messed up with their faces so it's hard trying to find one that looked like mr sark but i think i found him eventually joking joking saki joking so um yeah i had a thoroughly normal week really 
tonight we tried out a few things on Ustream, trying to do a live stream on Ustream. But um, we've come across a bit of an impasse, right? And <laughs> the impasse is this. We've now established through trial and error, and a lot of trial and error, that uh, to be able to do the live shows every Saturday night, I need $200 worth of software from Ustream. And it is their Producer Pro package. Now, the reason why I need that is because I have tested that, and I've also tested their normal package with doing a dual feed and picture-in-picture. Picture. So that's gameplay in the background, me in a little square. And whilst on the Producer Pro, it worked absolutely fine and the lag was minimal, on Producer, it lagged like fuck. And I wouldn't inflict that upon you. I really wouldn't. Now, I've got this, or I had this idea for a show where um, we could get some of you in-game we would get um, Heather sat next to me looking at another monitor, which we've we've gone out and got another monitor just for chat. Well, we haven't gone out and got it. We had one, actually. But anyway, um, Heather would read out the chat questions. I would answer them. Uh, and then, you know, we would also play online with you guys in game. Uh, now, we can't do that. We can't do that without spending $200. And I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm sitting here and I'm going, nah, do I... Do I, don't I? I mean, there's no return on that. It's not as if I'm I'm ever going to make that $200 back because um, I can't do the partnership thing with uh, Ustream. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm toying with the idea. Do I buy it? Don't I buy it? I mean, it, it, a lot depends on you guys, you know. If you want me to do this Saturday night show or a Sunday night show or a midweek show, I'd be more than happy to do it. But... You know, and I'll spend the money if enough. If enough of you want me to do that, I'll spend the money. But to be honest, I mean, two hundred dollars is still a lot of money. You know, for for something I don't know that is an unknown. If you like, I don't know if there's going to be any return on that on that investment. And uh, you know, the return could be just the fact that you guys want me to do it. The return could be that, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, uh, there's a discount somewhere down the line that I could get this thing cheaper than $200 because it's bloody expensive for what it is. But hey, Celavi, as I keep saying, Celavi, Celavi, I'm very French today. I am very French today. This is me talking French. Hello. Uh, not that they speak like that. Well, they do, actually. They more sort of go, yeah, you English. Pleh. I do not wish to speak to you. You are Americans. I do not like you. Yeah, that's more like the French speak. How does French speak? Um, right, okay. So what I'm leading up to is that I am sort of looking towards getting the whole uh, Ustream thing up and running like we did, or used to do on a Saturday night. Happy, happy days, happy, happy. But now, you know, uh, we can't do it. And I won't do it if it's going to be shit. And I really want it to work. So I've really got to get $200 worth of software to do it. So I don't know. Maybe, um, guys, if, um, if if you really want me to do it, then let me know. And if enough of you let me know, then, you know, maybe we'll go ahead. But as I say, $200, big investment, especially just for Christmas. Christmas! I'm getting my uh, Astro A40s for Christmas, the wireless ones. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> means I can get rid of these shitty turtle beaches that I fucking hate. Oh, yes. I hope the Astros are good because these turtle beaches are shit. 
the P21s are the pits of the fucking earth. And uh, the X11s are bearable for a couple of hours. Um, now, some people have pointed out to me that other directors have done reviews on uh, Turtle Beaches of late, and that, you know, there were some that were really good, and some of that, yeah, well, to be honest, if they sent me a box full of Turtle Beach headphones and said, can you test these and say something nice about one of them, that's what they'd get. So, you know, <laughs> hey. Um, right, anyway, so we've, uh, over the past few weeks, been talking, right, we've been talking about the stories that I recant to you about my past that may never have happened, um, that may never have happened, they did happen. Yeah, I got that one the wrong way around, didn't I? Um, so, anyway, a lot of people have been on to me about the snow story. Please tell us the snow story. But if I tell it, you won't believe it anyway. You'll just go, well, that was bullshit. Well, guys, I'm going to put this out there, right? And you can believe it or you cannot believe it. It's up to you. This is my snow story. <laughs> it's um, changed my life. It changed my career. It changed my outlook on life and death. <laughs> this, ladies and gents, is my snow story. I hope you approve. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Witching Hour on the Ken Barton Show. No, really, um, a, a couple of times now people have asked me to recant the snow story, and uh, there's a couple of people already heard this, uh, and apologies if you're hearing it again. I, I didn't... <laughs> I don't really want to kind of make all of this public, but some of it I guess I can. And uh, I guess if I qualify it by saying, guys, this might never have happened, okay? <laughs> so let's start with that. It happened, all right? <laughs> okay, let me let me tell you how, the, how it all started. It was on a... a Midweek, and uh, I was meant to be jotting off to work, which was up the top of a place in Coventry called the Foes Hill Road. To get to the Foes Hill Road, I had to go from my house into the city centre around the Ring Road and up Foes Hill Road. Fairly easy. I mean, it's just two real straight roads, really. One of them, uh, very, very long. It's called the London Road. Straight across that, onto the roundabout around the ring road and off at uh, the Fosal Junction and then a ride up the Fosal Road, which is a huge road. It's all changed now, by the way. It's not, not like this anymore. So, um, you know, those of you who are living in Coventry now go, oh, I don't remember that. It's like there's a big island here. Yeah, well, in my day, um, the roads were relatively simple and then Coventry City Council decided to smack a fucking great big road right through the middle of the city. And so even I get lost now. I, can't, I don't know where things are these days. Um, and that's that's that big road they've got going up to that uh, Rico Centre and all of that. That's, you know, that that's the new road that they put in. Anyway, in my day, Fosal Road was a lot different. And it had a, another road, uh, kind of parallel to it, called Stony Stanton Road. And then about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 different uh, side roads that join the two together. Anyway, right. So it's um, probably about 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, get up and open the curtains. Fuck me, the snow is everywhere. Jesus, it is piled up. And at the time, I'm working for the biggest wanker you've ever met in your life. 
I mean, this guy, if, if he ever, he would never get away with this shit today. He really wouldn't get away with this shit. But as a youngster, he, if I did something wrong when I was working for him, he'd slap me around the head. Yeah, that's the sort of wanker he was. And his um, chief guy his foreman was just as bad quite often I found myself getting kicked in the shin if I did something wrong and I thought you know that that's normal practice but what a pair of wankers absolute pair of wankers these guys were anyway um so I didn't really feel that I could just not go in and say oh it's a bit snowy because at the time I had a trail bike and uh, I didn't have a car well did have a car well I didn't legally have a car so um, I did have a very legal trail bike and it was this uh, DT250 Yamaha uh, the old style one with the um, you know swirling tank no no corners on the tank one of those and it was a fantastic bike you know big knobbly tires and I thought okay this will do so um, we thought right okay let's let's get ready and you know put my coat on and put my leathers on over my coat and you know, my big full-face helmet with me smoked visor, <laughs> me big boots on, <laughs> and on I get onto my uh, DT250, and actually, I'd open the garage door, push the bike out, close the garage door, went to get on the bike and fell over, and I thought, no, that's not a good sign. Okay, so that was number one. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, fire the bike up and uh you know it's doing a, a little bit of you know and the wheels spinning a little bit and I, I was having a i must admit it was a bit funny it was a bit kind of good um knobbly tires don't work very well on snow <laughs> i just don't and uh off we went off i went out of my little parents garage and um down the road a piece and i had to turn right on this road and Anyway, uh, I got to the uh, I got to the the junction of um, or I'm heading towards the junction of St James Lane and London Road, which is a T junction with traffic lights, and I pushed on the brakes and nothing happened, and I went straight across and uh, into a fence, and a few people stopped and they looked and oh, you're right, you're right, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, fine. I looked at the bike, the bike was okay, and uh, I was okay, so, uh, well, okay. It wasn't a high-speed accident, it was a kind of low-speed accident. I thought, right, okay, well, that's twice I've fallen off the bike in the space of about 10 minutes. So, anyway, got back on it, and uh, looked to the uh, right of me on the bike, and realised that the um, caliper, uh, caliper, the, um, Christ, what do you call it, the handle for the brake, the lever, the brake lever, had snapped. So uh, that was the front brake. So I thought, okay, um, I can probably get away with just kind of, there was about an inch of it left. I thought I'd probably get away with that. So with no front brake, I started off towards, uh, down the London Road. And um, went down the London Road and it went around a couple of bends. And then they, they got to this island which is now known as the Humber Road Island. In my day, it was actually a T-junction, but uh, it it kind of... Anyway, I got over the island and went past the hospital. It used to be a hospital. And, uh, God, so many used to be. And went past what used to be the Coventry Zoo, which is now a sports centre called the Racket Centre, or it was, anyway. And I used to work there, by the way. And, uh, anyway, straight across there, got round the island, got onto the London Road. Now, the main London Road 
has a graveyard on the left, it has a Peugeot garage on the right, and it's a big, big stretch of road. And it would take you straight onto the ring road, which is absolutely marvellous. Anyway, um, the snow had... It hadn't cleared. I mean, it was still pretty bad, but, you know, the roads had been gritted, or the main roads, anyway. So I was fairly confident in getting from A to B at this point. And I'm, like, going down really, really heavily uh, towards, you know, Fersal Road. I didn't really want to be late. I'd already lost time because I'd come off the bike twice. And uh, I got to the ring road. Uh, managed to slow down in plenty of time using both brakes and two feet. I managed to slow down. And uh, the cars around me were kind of... I noticed there was something a little bit weird going on. And it looked to me as though there was a complete patch of the island uh, where the ring road was that hadn't been gritted. Or if it had been gritted, it had frozen over. Because every car that seemed to go past it was sliding. And I was looking at it, just sat, sat there at the traffic lights looking at it, thinking, well... How the bloody hell am I going to get round that if the cars can't get round it? No bleeding chance. All right, so I thought I'd have a little go anyway. And doing about three miles an hour, um, I itched, etched onto, inched onto the icy bit and kind of wheel spinning at the back and I'm kind of pushing my feet one forward, the other forward and trying to kind of walk the bike over this thing. And I fell over. <laughs> and uh, that was number three. So anyway, I picked it up, got to the side, got back on it and fell over again. Picked it up again and I fell over again. And uh, there were people in cars all around me laughing their cocks off because obviously I couldn't stand up because I got these big, heavy leather boots on with um, not particularly great soles. I mean, they were for, for motorcycling, not bloody cross country. Um, they unfortunately made it very, very slippy and I kept falling off. So anyway, it took me about 10 minutes to get the bike from the patch over to the barrier where there was a little bit of a curb. And I thought, right, OK. So I got on the bike at that point and I actually rode right next to the curb, keeping very, very close to it and got round the corner. Right. Okay, great. Got up the bit of a bank which got me on top of the ring road. And at this point, I realised that everything around me is now doing 50 miles an hour. And I thought, right, okay, well, it's been it's been gritted. It should be okay. So anyway, I pulled the throttle back and, um, you know, off I went down the ring road. And it was obviously a dual carriageway on both sides. And all of a sudden in front of me, there were cars stopping. And I thought, shit, <laughs> I've got a problem here because I am no way going to stop in time. So I didn't really know what to do. I didn't. I thought, well, if I lay the bike down, I'm going to go underneath. Uh, one of these cars, I know I'll go right to the side of the barrier and see if I can't kind of stop using one foot on the little bit of curb uh, in the central reservation. So I went over to there a bit too fast. I actually hit the curb and fell off the bike. But in those days, they only had little barriers. They're only about two feet, three feet high. And I actually went over the barrier. And bear in mind that I'm doing about 40 miles an hour. I went clean over the barrier and started to slide the wrong way down a dual carriageway, heading towards a lorry that has obviously seen me hit the brakes and is now sliding towards me. Now, picture the scene. It's completely iced over. I'm lying on my back like one of these tobogganist guys. You know the guys that go down the slopes on the tea trays? I'm lying down like that, 
holding my arms in, holding my legs straight, trying to stop myself and steer myself as I am very fastly approaching a lorry coming in the other direction which is going to run me over. There is absolutely no way this thing is not going to run me over. It will never stop in time. It just won't. So anyway, I'm sliding towards this thing and I've kept my head down and the lorry's hit its brakes and I thought, for God's sake, guy, don't, do not slide sideways and I'll go straight underneath you. And as I'm sliding underneath it, the top of my helmet just went boom and caught the bumper. And that hit my, hit my head backwards and that hit the ground beneath me. Now, in those days, we didn't have posh helmets. We had plastic helmets, uh, which I think have been outlawed now, actually. But um, they used to have a seam going right down the middle of them. <coughs> I think now the helmets are all made of Kevlar or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, this helmet snapped in two but it left me with the padding which is like a, I don't know really how to describe it it's just like a piece of black foam so I had this piece of black foam on my head with two straps on it going under my chin two bits of helmet on net which were now by my shoulders and I'm lying underneath a truck and of course all hell breaks loose doesn't it there's panic everywhere. People are coming out. I don't want to look. I don't want. He's dead. He's dead. He's been run over. I don't want to look. I don't want to look. And I'm underneath this thing, going, um, little help, uh, little help. And nobody's sort of coming to my aid because nobody wanted to look at the mess that was me, having been run over. They thought underneath the truck. Well, um, I'm kind of sitting there looking up at. Uh, because my visor's now disappeared, my helmet is gone, it's on my shoulders, I've got this stupid thing on my head, a couple of flappy straps everywhere, and about an inch and a half away from my nose is a prop shaft going round and round and round. Why this prop shaft was going round when the vehicle wasn't moving, I can't tell you. I have absolutely no idea. I know for a fact that if the truck stopped, the prop shaft should have stopped with it. But no, the prop shaft is still going round. This guy is still spinning his back wheels. And I, I, can, I can only imagine that he locked on his front brakes, he's panicked, or whatever you have it. Anyway, all stops. Finally, somebody looks underneath, uh, <laughs> looks underneath the truck, which is quite, it's only a three and a half tonner, it's not an Arctic. And he looks underneath this, this truck. And uh, I kind of turn my head to the side. And it's a copper. And he looks at me and he goes, can I help you, sir? <laughs> now, there's a daft fucking question for you. Yes, you can, officer. You can give me your hand and pull me the fuck out of this truck. So anyway, they pull me out of the truck. I stand up. Absolutely everything's fine. And uh, the copper said to me, um, if you don't mind me asking, sir, how did you get here? I said, right, okay. Um, well, my bike is the other side of the... <laughs> it's about 300 yards up the road on the wrong side of the carriageway to the one I'm on just leaning up against the barrier. So anyway, after a bit of discussion, he lets me go, right? I thought, right, great, okay. And now, of course, I've got no helmet. So he's saying to me, I mean, in fact, it was, it was so fucking typical for coppers in those days. He was more interested in booking me for riding without a helmet than he was for anything else. Do you have tax and insurance on that bike? Sir? Look, I've just had a fucking accident, mate. You know, give me a break. Anyway, Finally, uh, he gave me a producer, would you believe? I had to go and produce my documents. 
But anyway, I goes over, gets the bike, and uh, I thought, great, I'm only halfway to my journey now. If I walk it pushing this bike, I'm about an hour and a half from getting to work, and I'm about an hour from getting to home. So I thought, well, I've got to do something, absolutely got to do something. So I came off the ring road, pushed the bike off the ring road, got to a phone box, and I phoned my mate. And I said to him, you know, is there, you know, you working? And he went, no, I ain't going in, mate, this is too snowy. I said, right, okay, because I've got this problem, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll drive out in the car and I'll bring you a spare helmet. Because he had a bike as well, he, he, uh, he obviously, he had two helmets, actually, one for him, one for his dad. But anyway... So I said, well, that's brilliant. I'll, I'll just ride it home then. And then I'll phone in and tell the boss, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, I'll wait for him to come out to me. He knows where I am. And I'm at the bottom of the hill by by what used to be an old hospital. And I phoned my boss and I said, right, OK, I can't get in. Like, the snow's bad and I've had, like, three accidents already. And now I've, um, like, had a bit of a major one. Anyway, his reaction was typical and exactly what I would have expected. You get your fucking ass in here, you little bastard. He was a very nasty Irishman, I have to admit. And, uh, you know, he just wouldn't believe it. I mean, the guy was such a twat. He really was a twat. And, you know, he he kind of gave me no option. You know, you get in an hour, I'll make sure you never work here again. You know, all right, okay, great. So, um, anyway, I waited for my mate to come out. And it was about 30, 40 minutes took him to get there. And he was saying, you know, the roads are just treacherous, treacherous. He said, don't go to work, for Christ's sake. You will seriously get snowed in. And I was like, right, okay, well, look, look, don't worry about it. I'll be okay, I'll be okay. So anyway, he lent me the helmet, and I put the helmet on, and I very, very gingerly then went up the Stony Stanton Road, cut across, and went to work, at which point my boss went fucking apeshit, you know. What time do you call this? What time do you call it? And I was like, look, give me a break, will you? It's like treacherous out there i've got to come from like the other side of town and you know i fell off the bike like four times five times now and now and i had a major one and split my fucking helmet in two you know right okay well i'm docking your wages and all that I thought, oh, fucking hell you know enough of this shit and uh i murmured something as i walked away from him i murmured something and uh anyway he kind of went what did you say what did you say and i went nothing and he slapped me around the back of the head like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he really fucking hit me, you know. And I, I was like, bastard. I, th- I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Anyway, um, <clears throat> day went from bad to worse. I had a bloody awful day there. <clears throat> and it's still snowing like buggery. And uh, it's now getting freezy frozen and horrible. Um, and we kind of went, okay, well, this is the end now. Uh, end of the working day, it was like six o'clock. Yeah, twat made me work overtime. Didn't pay me, just made me work it. And uh, six o'clock, middle of rush hour, I got on the bike, thought, right, okay, now I've, I've really got to go home and fix the fucking bike, you know, get it, get it sorted. Now, there's a, a new of a, a place that was open that sold parts for my bike, and it was on my way home, but they shut at half six. So that, right, I've got to get down to this place. Anyway, I got on the bike, started off on the Fosal Road, <coughs> and uh, as it happens, my mate, the one that had come out to me with the helmet, he was also uh, up there seeing a relative, and he was on the Fosal Road himself, and I could see his car. 
So anyway, I started driving down the Fraser Road. He's there, and I kind of, you know, traffic everywhere, sort of standstill. And uh, I kind of knocked on his window. All right, all right, mate. And he went, oh, yeah, you got away then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I said, come over for a pint tonight. Yeah, yeah, we just got the local because it's snowing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, so... I then said, you know, look, I've got to go and get this part for the bike. He went, oh, take it easy. Yeah, all right. So anyway, I zipped down the Fosal Road in between two lines of traffic, okay? Now, the first line of traffic is obviously on my side. The second line of traffic is the opposite side, and there is a gap in between. And I'm going down that gap at about 50 miles an hour. Then some car who had broken down decided it would be a good idea to open his car door. Yeah. <laughs> Wallop. And uh, I came to, looking at the sky, with my old mate actually stood next to me, going, are you all right? And I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> and we're just kind of looking at each other. And what had happened was, I'd obviously hit this guy's car door and been sent flying down the road, this dual carriageway. I was in a hell of a state. We pulled pulled to the pavement um, and we exchanged details with this guy whose car I'd hit. And we couldn't decide whether it was his fault for not looking or my fault for going in between traffic. So we said, right, we'll sort it out later. I'm not interested, just not interested. So anyway, my bike by this point has now got a smacked front bumper, a broken headlight, a broken uh, uh, <clears throat> brake lever and uh, bent handlebars. So I knew I needed parts for this bike and uh, it was almost still drivable, almost, uh, if I took it easy. So anyway, I said to my mate, I said, look, I've got to go get these parts. He says, you're never going to make it, mate. You've got 10 minutes. I said, I'm never going to make it. Right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I got on the bike and uh, I carried on, got the bike started, carried on driving down the Fosa Road in this absolutely dazed state, right? I mean, I really had taken this bad knock on the head. I get to the point of where we're all at a set of traffic lights and some bloke starts hitting his horn. I thought, what? And then a couple of other people started hitting their horns. What? What the hell? And I'm like, what the hell's going on here then? Well, we can't go. The lights are on red. And then there's a couple of guys shouting at me. And I thought, what the fuck is going on here? So anyway, I got my, got well, not my helmet. I got his helmet on, so I couldn't really hear what was going on. And the guy next to me undoes his window. And he goes, What? What? You're on fire! So I turned around, looked, and my bike was on fire. <laughs> Seriously, it was on fire! <laughs> the seat, um, obviously some shit had happened where the, I'd had the accident, because the battery and all the electrics are underneath the seat, <laughs> and the foam of the seat had caught fire, and set fire to the, to the seat which had set fire to the back of my leather jacket. <laughs> sat at the traffic lights on fire. Anyway, I turned around, saw the smoke, and I kind of could then feel it all of a sudden. And I thought, well, I, I fell off and I've scrazed my back, and that's why it's hurting me. It didn't daunt me that I was on fucking fire. So anyway, I, do, I just got off the bike, I threw it on the ground, took my leather jacket off, threw that on the ground. 
took the helmet off, threw that down, and started to walk home. <laughs> that was it. That was it. It took me um, a good couple of hours to walk home, um, by which point the police were waiting for me. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Did you leave your bike on fire on the Fosa Road? <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was just... It was just horrendous. It really was horrendous. And uh, anyway, um, there was say so you've got to go to the hospital, get these uh, wounds treated and stuff. And I was like, bollocks, I ain't going. So uh, my mum got some uh, stuff and put it on my, my burns that are on my back. And uh, I just sat there, you know, my mate came around. Uh, this was probably about eight o'clock now. My mate came around and um, he said, uh, oh, I said, Ken, that, that's just terrible. It's just terrible. And my mum and my dad are going, what's going on then? What's going on? So, oh, you know, and I, I explained to them what the day was. And anyway, uh, there were a few sort of, you know, ah, oh, you poor thing, you poor thing. And I, I just said to my dad, I said, dad, that's it. I can't go back. I can't go back there. Um, the guy is a bully. You know, he's an idiot. And uh, I just, um, I just can't go back. And my dad says, all right, well, all right, you don't worry about it. I'll, I'll let him know that you won't be going back. I said, okay, then. Now, my dad is a very proud man. He's a very honest man, trustworthy man. He is a fucking huge man. Um, and, uh, you know, car factory all his life. He is, he is, you know, the epitome of what a working man is. And uh, I, I, fe I felt like I was let, <coughs> I felt like I was letting him down because, um, Basically, I'd already been kicked out of college and here I am in this job and I'm about to walk away from this job. And I, I, I always knew that, you know, my dad had always said, you know, if you're not studying, you're working. You're not going to, you know, lounge around on the dole. He was a proud working man. He'd given me those values and I wanted to, you know, try and live up to those. So, you know, this is what this is what we did. But for him to say to me, you don't have to go back, Ken, was was great. It was just great. And uh, anyway, following day, uh, I woke up in a lot of pain. I mean, a lot of pain. I'd got um, head injuries. I'd got an injury to my arm. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but I was also got a couple of broken ribs. I'd got a, um, uh, one, one of my ankles had really badly swelled up and was a, a bit torn. And, uh, you know, obviously I'd, I'd got these uh, back burns so anyway, I didn't really want to get up, but I got up in a lot of pain, took a couple of painkillers, when I sat in the front room. Now, my dad was, um, he was working nights, and uh, it was just happened to be one of the days when, you know, he, he didn't work the night before, didn't work that day, he was working that night shift. So um, anyway, I got, got up, mum was in the front room, uh, my mate was there as well, and it was still, you know, quite snowy and horrible outside, but either way. So I said to mum, I said, where's the old man gone? said, oh, he's, he's gone up to tell your boss that uh, you won't be coming back. I went, oh, right, okay. Now, as it happens, my, I, I'd got some family lived up that neck of the woods up in Fosal, and uh, he'd gone to see family up there as well, make sure they're okay in the cold and that. So um, anyway, him and my brother came back. Christ, must have been late afternoon. And I, I, he said, you all right, son? I said, yeah, yeah, not so bad, not so bad. And then I looked at uh, my brother, and uh, my brother had got, like, well, his hand was maffed. I said, uh, what's up, what's up then? He said, oh, nothing, nothing. I said, oh, go on, what's up? 
Oh, we said we, we went and had a word with your boss. Oh, shit. Right, okay. I said, what did he say? Um, well, he, he basically said that you're a lazy fuck and that you're, you know, that dad hadn't really brought you up the right way. That's the wrong fucking thing to say to my dad. <laughs> I can only imagine what happened afterwards because I wasn't there. But I am aware that, um, oh, by the way, this may never have happened. I am aware that these two gentlemen who uh, were in the building at the time, the boss and the supervisor, because a couple of the uh, couple of the lads that uh, used to work there were were otherwise engaged. I think they they had got themselves uh, out the way, and uh, Derek and my dad had a word with the boss and the supervisor, and basically trashed them, and uh, you know more power to the elbow. Uh, I couldn't believe it when they, when they came back. I just couldn't believe it, and. It probably was about six months later when I bumped into one of the lads that also works there, and he was um, he was a kind of an uh, on an apprenticeship type thing, and he was he was desperately trying to get out, and I, I was saying to him, you know, you 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 have got to get out because this guy's an ass, and he did actually get out, but I didn't know him that well. I wasn't a drinking partner or anything, so but I did meet him in a pub. And I said, you know, how how'd it go? Where's your life now? He said, oh, it's great. I'm working in a bank. I said, oh, fucking hell, great. I said, uh, you know, how long did it take you to get out? He said, oh, I got out a day after your dad came down. I said, oh, right, okay, really brilliant. He said, well, they closed the place anyway for a week uh, after that. So he said, it gave me a chance to go and find another job. I said, why they close the place? He went, you know why they closed the place. I said, no, why they closed the place? He said, because they were both in fucking hospital for a week. <laughs> lovely retribution is mine and the day was mine um although it took a while to get there it just goes to show you know you can have you can have loyalty to uh a lot of things you you you're loyal to your family you need to stay loyal to your friends uh you need to stay loyal to those people who stay loyal to you uh and when that becomes not the case then I think your loyalties ought to be questioned. That uh, was certainly when mine were questioned. Anyway, I got out of it uh, with... Um, I actually got fined for leaving the bike there uh, in the middle of the road on fire. Um, also, there was some damage to a car, which apparently my bike fire caused, um, which you know my insurance company took care of. The insurance company also paid for the bike, paid for a new bike, which was nice. And... Um, the uh, the insurance forms were a little bit difficult to fill out, on mainly because it was like there were three accidents I had to put down on the insurance form, <laughs> um, and I shouldn't have been riding it anyway. Anyway, I, I I did something else after that and got another bike and then I got another car and then you know blah blah blah. But uh, it was a hell of a day, and that, ladies and gents, is my snow story. Uh, remember, none of this may have happened. It happened. So, uh, but that's it. That's my snow story. Perhaps not the best story you've ever heard, but uh, trust me, it was a hell of a day. <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed it.
And so that was the uh, <laughs> the snow story. And there will be people out there that just go, "What load of bullshit!" And if you think that, then you you know that's fine. That's fine. Just uh, think what you want. So what's coming up uh, in the next few days? Well, we are still playing loads and loads of Black Ops. I have absolutely gone off on one in relation to the PS3. I cannot, I cannot, in all conscience, play it anymore because of the fact that a it's shit tough to get into a game when you do get into a game you get bombed out when you're in a game it lags like fuck even though you've got a good internet connection guys it it's just it's unworkable for me it's unbearable and so i'm playing on xbox until they release a patch and when they do they release a patch and everybody's happy again or they invest in some fucking servers or do something it really really is you know pits of the earth time for me uh one other thing to mention before i uh probably exit from this is my encounters with uh, gran turismo which have caused quite a lot of controversy i've had a lot of people send me emails and send me messages saying well you know you can't say that you can't say that it's you know because i basically said that gran turismo was a pile of shit actually i didn't say that i said that it sucked monkey balls right because it sucks monkey balls. It does. And it's just shit. And, you know, that's my opinion. I'm entitled to an opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, but I know other directors have gone out there and done reviews and gone, oh, how brilliant is this? Well, did you fucking play the last one? You know, because this one's exactly the same. It's no different. So anyway, um, just to uh, just to qualify that, of course, you are entitled to an opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. Uh, so there you go, Celavi again. I've said Celavi. Look at that, all French again. So anyway, guys, this is the end of this podcast for this time round. We're coming up to about what forty-five minutes. Bloody hell! Okay, um, that's long enough for any podcast, I think. And next week, next week, uh, I am working on whether or not I can clean up another story about my motorbike, but. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to have to check the statute of limitations, I think, and see whether or not you can be nicked for something that happened 15 years ago. Because if I recount this story, then somebody's going to have me arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, as ever, it's been a pleasure. I will see you all on the dark side. You all take care now. Hope you've enjoyed this one. I'll see you all real soon. (laughs) 